you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as we read God's Word. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. The title of the sermon is Life Overflowing. Life Overflowing. I want you to see life filling the world in verses 1 through 5 of this last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. With its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. And his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Have you heard about the daughter who one day brought a book to her father and, and asked him uh, to read it? A couple hours later, she was so eager for him to start reading this book, she came back into the room and asked him, well, have you started? Uh, that little detail leads me to believe that this is a real story. Um, because she seems to think daddies don't always follow through. Um, you can feel that. But the dad surprised the daughter. After just two hours of having the book, he told her, I finished it. And she was amazed. And started asking him questions about the book. And he didn't know every detail, he couldn't answer every question, but she could see that he knew the most important things about the book. She said, how did you do this in just two hours? And her daddy answered, because I read the ending first. We are now coming to the ending. And not only of this book of Revelation, but of the whole Bible. And all throughout our series, we've seen the people of God suffering, even dying. And it would just really make sense, I think, if they were, if they were asking the question, what is God doing while we're facing all this trouble. And it may be that some of you have come this morning 
with the same kinds of questions. Where troubles seem to have no end in sight. And even, even if you've come here and you don't really believe all this stuff, I wonder if you can at least admit this world is full of trouble. Maybe that's why you don't believe all this stuff. Well, when life does not make sense, and when troubles and doubts fill your mind, what you need to do is go back and read the ending. Chapter 21, chapter right before ours, was the beginning of the end. At least for God's people, where God is making this promise that in the end, he's going to make a new world, a new heavens and a new earth. And now we get another glimpse at what that new world is going to be like. And I just want to summarize what these five verses are teaching us. And that is that when God rules everything, life goes everywhere. That's the summary of the sermon When God rules everything, what we see is life going everywhere. And these five verses really split up into three pictures. We have the water, we have the wood, and we have worshipers. The water, the wood, and the worshipers. Point number one comes in verses one and two. You see the river of life, the river of life. Revelation has just been clear all all the way through this 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 book. We've seen what if we're honest, we know this to be true, and that is that death fills this world that we now live in. We may have glimpses of happiness, glimpses of peace, but. Revelation is very honest that even for the people of God, and maybe even especially for those who would choose to follow Jesus Christ, there is a great cost of living in this world. Jesus made a promise in chapter 2. You be faithful. That's what a Christian is. is faithful unto death. Don't let anything that is really overwhelming in your troubles lead you to stop being faithful to Jesus. Because if you are faithful even unto death, then Christ promises that it's only then that we get the crown of life. Right now, we have brothers and sisters in India who are suffering at the hands of Hindu nationalists. We have brothers and sisters in Pakistan and Syria and North Korea who are suffering physically under Islamic extremists. And and here in Graham, uh, we're not facing that kind of pressure. It's either turn from Christ or die. And if there is a real pressure, it's deceptively deadly. It's a pressure to ease up. I'm being really serious about the Lord. I mean, there are so many around us who say they are 
belonging to the Lord, who are not very serious about belonging to the Lord. And even here, no one can escape the pain of loved ones in the hospital and then eventually in the grave. And we who live, whether it's here or in other parts of the world, we need to go back to the ending of the story. And what we see is life overflowing. I mean, literally. Look back in verse 1. The angel gives a revelation to John. And the revelation is of a river. The water of life in that river. As bright as crystal and it's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. I grew up in a very different place than my kids are growing up here. I I grew up more around concrete than rivers. Um, But one thing even I can tell you is rivers start somewhere. The headwaters of a rushing river usually are found at a high place. Whether that's a a mountain spring that then flows down and becomes a river or a glacier that's gushing. The river of life in this new world that God is going to make for us. That river of life starts with God himself. You see that in verse one? The headwaters of life. The headwaters of life. Can only be traced to one source. And notice what the source is specifically. It is the throne. Of the high king. And yet. Two names are given for this one king. You see that? God and the Lamb. Some of us who think that we're supposed to read Revelation in some sort of whatever you mean by literal. um, We'll start to work out how wide this throne seat must be or start imagining the son sitting in daddy's lap or something like that. How is it that there's one king, one throne, but two people? And that's not the point at all. The point is that it is the triune God. God and multiple persons who is ruling father and son are the source of life together. And their rule complements one another. So I'm being really literal, actually, when I say life is overflowing when God rules everything. See it? Life overflows at this point in history when when God is ruling everything. It's in the end, beloved. It's after God Gives his judgment rule. After chapters 17, 18, 19 and 20. When all his enemies have gone now into the lake of fire. Then life goes to all of God's friends. 
if it is when God rules everything that then life goes everywhere. What do you think that means? What do you think that means about what happens and what's at stake whenever you obey God's commands or disobey them? Like when, when his commands, his rule is, is a hard ask. Like when a wife is called to submit to her husband. Or God's rule tells you to repay that person who's being mean to you and repay them with kindness. Or when God, in the midst of a child being very angry, child hears the rule of God telling them to be silent. You know, we all still have this suspicion inside us, don't we? That God's rule will take life from us. But, beloved, believe this. God's, even, even His prohibitions are God's protection. This is what I mean. Every time God tells you no, even though you want that thing, He's actually saying yes to life for you. I want you to notice where life comes from. The source of the river of life is God. But but also notice uh, the standard in the river of life, it, it, the standard is crystal. The, the water is is totally clean, which is to say that there is unlike every other body of water we know that can and will be tainted. Well, I don't have to prove that to you. We live in Graham the water coming out the faucet. Nothing will ever taint this life giving water. I know some of you are celebrating um, the summer by going to Six Flags. And, you know, I hear your stories about going. It just reminds me of fond memories of, of doing that as a kid. And they're memories that I'm eager um, for my children to never have. Uh, <laughs> because, I mean, I'm not sending them, sending them away with you people. Um, I wouldn't have to be there if they're going to go to Six Flags or whatever. And that sounds about as fun to me as being thrown into the lake of fire. Um, but I do remember one of my favorite things to do at Six Flags was go on the Roaring Rapids. I assume this thing still exists, you people who go to this thing. The Roaring Rapids, I remember around about 10.30 in the morning, right around when the temp crested at 175 degrees. We all just looked at each other and said, let's go to the rapids. And we all went and lined up at the rapids and it always started out, you know, really leisurely and calm and then pick up the pace and then drench us all. Water was always meant to be that kind of blessing in a, in a world that could be 
had the potential for being very dangerous. And, and in fact, the dangerous world that we live in actually turned water and, and actually in the, in the hands of God and as an instrument of death. Water in the Bible became um, really deadly. You think about the flood or, or the Red Sea. God used water as an instrument of his judging rule, but he also promised to us, this is why we read Ezekiel 47 earlier, he said one day there would be a different kind of river. And that river, as it as it stretches out, would just rise and rise and run like the rapids. And, and Ezekiel 47 said, wherever the river goes, life goes. Ezekiel 47 promised that there would be a river that everything will live where that river goes. And that's what we're told is finally coming to us. That's this river of life. When God rules everything. His enemies will be punished forever. But life will overflow for his people. We see a river. But then secondly, in verse two, we see the tree of life. We see the tree of life. I appreciate the, the, the main question Travis asked us last week. You know, I wasn't here. I listened in. I believe even if I miss on a Sunday that what I've missed is God's personal word for Redeemer Church. And so I want to go back and listen to what he had to say to me. One of the main questions that Travis asked us was, how do you see Jesus? Coming right out of Mark chapter 8. And that's a good question for us this morning, just one week later. How do you see Jesus? (laughs) I mean, there, there may not be a a more important question for you to think through. It says the most important things about you, how you see Jesus. And the reality is even in this place and in this community where there's so many churches, you go into all of them, you'll get a lot of answers about how we should see Jesus. And sadly, many answers given are not very close to God's answer in His Word. In this section of God's Word, we've seen Jesus is a king. And and maybe that, that view of Jesus isn't encouraging to you. Because you know rulers... And you know how they make their promises to make things great again. Even the best rulers in this world, well, they're all disappointing. I wonder if you see King Jesus as a disappointment in the way that he's ruled over your life. Do you hear from Mark chapter 8 this call from Jesus to lose your life for his sake? 
And in your heart, your, your attitude is just, this is the kind of king Jesus is. He just takes, takes, takes from me. Beloved, I want you to understand that Revelation 22 really is a good follow-up sermon to Mark chapter 8. Because it's the other side of the coin. It's the other side of this call to lose. Because in Revelation 22... For everyone who's under Jesus' rule, it's gain, gain, gain. Go back to the ending. It's life overflowing. And the background to that idea of life just everywhere is actually in the beginning of the Bible, in, in the Garden of Eden. And right in the middle of the garden, you remember what was there? It was the tree of life. It it, it is that tree that is the reason why it doesn't matter how much you search for the Garden of Eden, you'll you'll never find it in this life. Because God has put angels there who have burning swords to keep us from that tree of life. Have you ever wondered why it was that the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God was so quick to confront them right after that? I don't know if it's because he was just so offended and we're seeing the holiness of God and his judgment to come immediately at the moment of their tasting of forbidden fruit or. Maybe. He got there so fast. So that he could stop them. From eating from the tree of life. And then living forever. As enemies. Of him. I don't know. And really you didn't, you didn't come here to have some preacher stand up here and make guesses. About what, what might God have done. We know what he said. And what he said. In response to that moment. Was one day. I'm going to send a son. And he will save you from your sins. And he will save you from the devil. And he will save you from death. How do you see Jesus? One of the things I want to do in a couple of weeks is go back through Revelation and just keep looking at all the revelations, you could say, of Christ. He's he's the king throughout. He. He's the king who's in total control, even in this world that seems like it's under the the total dominion of the devil. He's in total control, even when our lives are in chaos. He he's the king and he's going to use that control one day to conquer every single one of his enemies. Beloved. First of all. And the main way that I want to encourage you from the book of Revelation to see Jesus is that he's not just a a controlling king or a conquering king. He was the crucified king. So I over and over. The word for him is lamb. Whenever someone asks you, how do you see Jesus? I think it would be a good way to answer that. 
by saying he is that son that God promised the moment we earn death. He is that son who does not take life from me. He is that son who gave his life for me. He is that son who kept me from the tree of life that I might not be kept from him. He is that son who then went to the tree of death, who then went to the tree of curse. And as Galatians 3 said, all who would try to be righteous before God by your good works, you are under a curse because you can't do it. And Galatians also said, Christ redeemed us from the curse. That cursed be everyone who is hanging on a tree. That's the son and that's the Jesus that I think of first. That he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, beloved. Whenever God's rule was not recognized back in the garden, you remember death went everywhere. And then when God's son has that death come to him on a tree, he's then raised from the dead to bring sinners back to life. Life is going everywhere because of the Lamb. Did you notice in verse 2 that the tree of life is on both sides of the river of life? Do you think about that? Well, on one hand, that's impossible. But yet it is true And what it's saying is that one tree of life that we were accustomed to has now become a forest of trees of life everywhere. They're just all over the place. Because the lamb makes life go everywhere. And it's the river of life. Remember what we heard in Ezekiel 47. Everywhere the river goes... Life goes. And so the trees that are watered by that kind of river, well, they're unlike any kind of tree you've ever known. I'm pretty bummed, I don't know about you, that we've been told that Three Brothers Peaches is going to stop handing out them peaches this year. We just picked up our last little batch. The trees don't bring the fruit, but just a few months of the year. Not these trees. Not the tree of life. Beloved, every single month. In other words, there is life from the tree of life all the time. And for everyone. Do you see how they heal not just one nation? When we heard that uh, the, the blood of the lamb would actually heal us. Well, it's more than just his nation, Israel. It is for the healing of all the nations. 
Beloved, be encouraged that since God is the source of life, that means it never runs out. He's got just so much of it. The Lamb makes life go everywhere. And life really is available to everyone. Everyone. It's available to you. Whoever you are. Wherever you're from. And whatever you've done. The Lamb is offering life to you. What this, I don't, I don't want this to seem irreverent in any kind of way, but Jesus' blood, it reminds me of the Energizer, you know, the, the battery in the Energizer bunny. You, you remember that commercial? Some of you are just so young, you don't know what I'm talking about. These are batteries in toys. They weren't plugged in. You had to put a battery in there and you put an Energizer battery in your toy bunny. And it keeps going and going and going. It's like the battery's power just never ran out. Everything will live wherever the blood flows. God has promised it. It keeps going and going and going. Forgiveness, life, take God at his word. And even if you have never trusted him truly before, you can right now. The son of God's power to save never runs out. Confess your sins to him and ask him to make you live and he will. We've seen the water We've seen the wood. I don't know if you're still with me. I don't know. But I'm going to keep talking. Because we still need to see the worshipers. And really what we see in verses 3 through 5, point number 3. After the river of life and the tree of life, we see the point of life. We see the point of life. I don't know if y'all have heard of Dennis the Menace. I guess I'm going to keep having these moments with you where I just don't know how much older I am than most of you guys. Dennis the Menace was a boy who brought trouble to everyone around him. And one one neighbor of his named um, Mr. Wilson was uh, one day having this party uh, with the historic Flower Society or something like that. And... Um, they they were all there at his house and they were there to witness this orchid, this flower that Mr. Wilson had been tending for 40 years. And it was supposed to bloom that night for just a few seconds. I wonder if you can guess what happened. Just as the orchid was opening up, it was changing colors, Dennis the Menace yelled out, Hey, Mr. Wilson. And everyone turned away. And by the time Mr. Wilson turns back at his flower, it had withered and was already dead. And he said, you are a menace. Selfish, 
spoiled little boy. I have no use for you. That's the sad part. No sad. Do you know what the point of life is? I think everyone, whether they say it or not, whether they really thought it out, they think they know what the point of life is. I just want to ask you, doesn't it make sense if we want to know what the real point of life is to go back to the beginning of life? Humans, on page one of the Bible, were given life for this point. To know God. But also to be like God. Genesis 1 said, let us make man differently than all the rest of creation. We will make man in our image and let them rule like we do, God said. As humanity, this is the point of life, friends. And I'm telling you this now because if you pursue any other point, it only leads to death. Humanity Enjoying God. Gazing at the face of God the way that Adam and Eve were able to do. Marveling at his power and his goodness the way that Adam and Eve were allowed to do. They did everything they did in service to him. To honor him. They were in a sense, when they were doing that, they were spreading his rule because they were telling everything around them who the greatest in all the world was. In other words, they were living It was real life. And then they were tempted. They were deceived by the devil. That God actually was not that great to know. He wasn't a very good ruler. He withholds blessings. Look at that tree over there. The forbidden fruit. Tempted, deceived to believe that. That God was actually lying That disobedience is deadly. And when Adam and Eve obeyed the devil, he became our ruler. Worship of God stopped. The point of life abandoned. Death goes everywhere. We were like that orchid who bloomed and died in an instant. I wonder if there's any witnesses here who would agree with me that every single time you have not trusted God and every single time you've not obeyed God, it has not served you. Beloved, God's new world is better than this world. Because this world is filled with menaces. That's, that, that, that is, it's filled with all kinds of things that will take life from us. That will keep us away from the point of life. But when God rules everything. When he takes over. Notice what it says in verse 3. There is nothing accursed anymore. There is nothing that could ever possibly come in to take life away. That could bring the curse of death. Don't you want that? Don't you want to see God's face? 
Don't you want to serve him away from all the weaknesses and faint heart and, and all the sin that keeps us focusing on ourselves and not on him? And don't you want to reign with him? Do you want to rule with him in such a way that everyone just by looking at you really knows that Jesus really is everything? Don't you want to be who you were always meant to be? And have no chance that that will ever end. I'm asking if you want to live. God promises life will go everywhere when he rules everything. When he does. When is not today. He doesn't rule everything today the way he will rule everything. And today, life may be offered everywhere, but it isn't yet going everywhere. And there are so many people who don't even want it when it's offered. But that doesn't mean this kind of life that we're seeing in Revelation 22 is nowhere. It doesn't mean that God rules nowhere. If you just think about chapter 21, right before this, we, we, we saw this, a different view of this new world that God was making. And it was presented to us as a city that was the bride. It was presented to us as the temple that was the bride of Christ. In other words, the church. And so also the realities that we are looking at here in chapter 22. I hope you're not bored right now. And you're thrilled that one day this would be a reality for you. They can actually be experienced by you in the church. It's true. And every church that is made up of people who takes Jesus at his word. These realities we're tasting. Redeemer Church, we will experience the point of all of this, the point of life, when we sit under his rule. Friends, you will never hear the pastors of this church say that maybe the word should have less of a place in our worship. Because life overflows wherever God rules and he rules through his word. So we need this every single week as we gather Jesus's word so that we might obey it, his promises so that we might believe them. And then. And then we step back. Into. This world of death. And if you're not really careful, you will wither with this world. So keep coming. I'm saying is keep coming to the place where the end is preached.
where life overflows. Because here God rules. Here our lamb's death is cherished. Here in this church the the foretaste of all of this. You can blossom. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take your word and you would rule. That we all would hear this and like Christian and Pilgrim's Progress, close our ears to every other truth and say life, life, life eternal and run after you. God, would you make it true? In Jesus' name, amen.